0: My name is Joe, and I am pleased to be leading a little Bible study with you this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll be starting in verse 22. And Happy New Year. How many made it to midnight? Oh, all right. What What I'm learning is, you guys are maybe the exception then, because of my friends, we're all getting a little bit older. We're reaching that point in life where... We're starting to go to sleep before midnight now on New Year's. Um, I woke up on my couch um, in time for my wife to tell me that the new year had passed in Florida in Florida. And so I figured that today, those of you who are here, especially those of you who made it all the way to midnight, if you're here on New Year's Day, a a day where we've typically stayed up late the night before, um, one of two things, maybe both, but one of two things are probably going on. You're really committed to being at church, or you're really desperate and you need something. And what a great group of people to get to share the Bible with this morning. So um, I'm excited to be able to do that. Um, I, this morning, have had one friend pray for me already. I bumped into another friend who I don't see very often. Um, but every time I do, they, they do one of those things where they, they talk to you as though they've been talking to God about you. You know what I'm talking about? And they, they say things that, that only God knows about you. And, and sometimes they'll even say things, this is what happened to me this morning, that I've been thinking of and praying about even this week What a cool thing that is when that happens. Just a couple days ago, a friend of mine texted me to say, I'm doing a a prayer devotional this next year, and I've got to write different people's names down on index cards, and you're getting one of those cards. So I'm going to pray for you every day as I go through this devotional. What are some things that I can pray for you about? And I just felt overwhelmed um, with that and the prayer this morning and the, the interaction that I had with the friend of mine today uh, by the sense that I wouldn't have any of those things. People praying for me, people who are, are talking to God about me, and then maybe even tell me what God has said to them about me. I wouldn't have any of those things if it weren't for having a connection in the church. I have those things. Those are things that are available to me in my life because of a connection I have in the church with other believers. And to that, I want to say kudos to you for starting your year on a day when you're probably tired, um, gathering with other believers, to worship with other believers, uh, to hopefully build a connection with other people in the church. The value that exists in the church of Jesus Christ is incredible and it's something that we all need, and I think that starting the year off this way is great. We've got to continue it this way as well. So as I mentioned, we're in the book of Luke. I just want to jump right in and start studying Luke chapter 2. We'll start at verse 22. We're coming off of a Christmas series. where. Interestingly enough, we kind of spent most of the Christmas series through the month of December in the book of Luke, because in Luke chapter 2, the beginning part of it, we get the birth narrative of Jesus. But before that, we started a study in this book of Luke. And that's typically something that we do here at Renaissance. We open up the book, up the Bible, we pick a book, and we start at the beginning, and we pick up where we left off. Last week, and that's what we've done until Christmas, when we kind of hovered around the first part of Luke chapter two for the rest of the month. I asked Pastor Jeff the other day, "Was that planned to start Luke when we did, so that we would lead right into uh, the Christmas story?" And he said, "Oh my, no!" <laughs> but what a cool thing God has done. So now we're picking up where we left off before Christmas in Luke chapter two, verse. 22, and I'm just going to read the passage that we're going through today, and then I'll come back and make some comments about it. It says this, when the time came for their purification, this is uh, Jesus and Mary, this is after the birth of Jesus, when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And they brought him there so that they might offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Lord's Messiah or the chosen one sent from God. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents Brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Now, it, it, it's not assumed that Simeon's just this strange old man coming up and grabbing the baby from them. It's believed that because of the part of the temple we think he was in, that Simeon's probably a priest, and so it would have been part of his job to take the baby into his arms. And so he took Jesus into his arms, and he blessed God, and he says in verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Remember, the Holy Spirit said to Simeon, you won't see death until you see the one that I've chosen to redeem the world. And he says, now you're gonna let me depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother, this is Mary and Joseph, they marveled at what was said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. That's... That's pretty cool. It's kind of like those moments where that person comes up to you and they say things to you that that only you would know have, have been in conversation between you and God. This sort of thing is happening there. And in verse 36, it says, there was also a prophetess, a woman named Anna, the daughter of someone named Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years. That's a nice way of saying she was a little old lady. Having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, I don't know what that means, don't know if anybody does, it's not pertinent to the story. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So this woman spent all day long, treated it like it was her job in her old age to pray and fast, spending time with God. Verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him. To all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So she sees what takes place between Simeon and the baby Jesus in the temple. And she leaves from there and goes to tell other people, you'll never guess what I just saw in the temple. Verse 39. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and filled with wisdom. And the favor of God was Upon him now. I just want to go back and and start making some comments about the things that are in this story here. So we're we're picking up the story um, where we left off from Jesus having been born to Mary, and I don't want to belabor that story, but we know how it goes. There was no room for them in the inn, so Jesus is born in a stable, um, probably more like in a, in a in outside of the town. Maybe maybe it was a it was a part of the house where his family family owned, that they, they had no room for anyone else to stay. So they just put him where they put all the animals. We don't know exactly what it looked like, but for, for him, it was not the most comfortable experience for Mary. It was not the most comfortable experience, but, but Nine months before that, she'd been visited by an angel in her dream who said, you're going to give birth to a son. And she says, well, this is really weird, Mr. Angel, because I'm still a virgin. And from what uh, my high school biology textbook tells me is that I can't have a child. And the angel promises that that God will do a miracle in your womb and you're actually going to have a son. Fast forward nine months to that glorious night that Jesus is born. It's attended by angels who are singing over shepherds in a field who follow a star that is kind of hovering over where the birthplace is. So all of these moments together pointing out that Jesus is the one that God has chosen to rescue, redeem the world. And so now they're just following through on what good Jewish people at that time did with all of their rules according to their religion. Verse 22, the time came for their purification. And and this would have been 40 days after Jesus' birth. On the eighth day after a male was born, he was circumcised. And then on the 40th day after he was born, he was taken to the temple for this purification rite. Now, I read that, and I can't help but ask the question, why purification? 40 days later.' they're, they're not speaking of uh, the baby Jesus being cleaned from the the birth experience, which is messy. the baby comes out cheesy and, and gross and and it's it's messy for the mom and it's it's difficult and challenging. It, it's just a mess. They're not, they're not talking about cleaning or purifying up in that way. This is a different kind of purification that they're talking about and every ritual, Is contained in the Old Testament that God gave to his people, Israel, had a purpose. There was a reason why he commanded each thing. Many of them we don't understand because we live in a different culture. We're thousands of years removed from them. But this one makes a lot of sense to me when you consider that we're all born into this world with a sin nature. We're all born into this world with a, a bent and a propensity towards rebellion against God. And this ritual, this ceremony that they partook in on the 40th day of a, of a child's life was to, was to remind them and teach them that every one of us needs to be rescued by God from our sin. I, my wife and I, I've never understood this more clearly than this year after my wife and I had our first child. And I realized just the other day that raising a child is just one rescue operation after another. You're constantly, especially when they become mobile, you're constantly chasing them. No, no, no. Don't get into the dog's bowl. No, no, no. Don't eat that cord. And you're, you're My house doesn't even exist for me anymore. It's now a safety net for my child to keep her her safe. Everything changes. Everything that you have to do for an infant is, is to keep them safe, keep them alive. We're born into this world needing rescued. And that never changes for us. The rescue looks different as we get older. If someone has to tell you in adulthood not to chew the cord on the wall, you've got greater issues but it looks different for us. This is what God is pointing out to his people, that that we come into this world needing someone to help us, needing someone to rescue us and save us. It says that they did this according to the law of Moses, according to the law of the Lord. In Leviticus 12, verses 2 through 4, give us the instructions as to Uh, when they're supposed to bring the child to the temple. Um, It would have been 40 days after his birth. So they're following the law given to him. And it says that they did this to present him to the Lord. Now, in our context, this might look a little bit like when we do a baby dedication And in some Christian traditions, they might do a baptism for the infant. In ours, what we do is something we call a a dedication, where we bring the baby or the small child up onto the stage, and we might say a prayer over them and say something like this, Lord, we're committing to raise this child as though uh, we want them to become a person who will follow you all of their lives. We're doing so in front of others so they can hold us accountable. We're doing so in front of others so that they can see this child and they can care for them spiritually as well. That's kind of what baby dedication is for us. And that's similar to what is going on here, but they took it one step further in that their presentation of the baby to the Lord was not, uh, we're proving to you, God, that we're gonna raise this child in a way that will honor you. What they're saying is, we're acknowledging that this baby actually came from you, you gave us this child. He's yours anyway. We're just acknowledging that. This is your child, and we're going to do the best we can to raise it according to your ways. So, so this, is, this is what they're doing here. Um, and this is not something that I let Christmas do very often, is teach me this, that it's an excellent reminder as I make uh, uh, plans for the new year, and I set goals for my new year that the ancient Israelites understood that every human being belongs to God and that God has a rightful claim on all of our lives. And so as I make my plans for the new year and I set my goals for the new year, I should be thinking of what does God want for me and the things that I do. Now, they believe that God had a rightful claim on on multiple areas of their lives. I wanna speak briefly on just a few of them. They believe that God had a rightful claim on all of their relationships. He gave them rules on how they were to interact with other nations around them. He gave them rules on uh, the way that they could make alliances with other people around them. He gave them rules regarding warfare, every way that they would have relationship with other nations. There are uh, distinct and detailed rules about relationships between family members in the old testament and they believed that that god had a claim on every relationship in their life and so the choices that they made regarding the people that they had a relationship with god should be the lord of they also believed that god had a claim on their occupations the things that they did for a living the th- the things that they did to make a profit for their family and and to and to raise their family and to build their homes now there was a command in the Old Testament that every, and it mentions it here, that every firstborn son who came out of the womb was to be dedicated unto the Lord. And it's believed that, that the initial plan was that the firstborn son would become the priest of that family. Well, eventually God called an entire tribe of the nation of Israel, a tribe called Levi, he called them to be the priests of the nation Of Israel, So there's an entire tribe of people that if you're born into this tribe as a male, your job, whether you want it to be or not, is to be a priest. It's just the way it is because God had a rightful claim on every part of their life. They believe that God had a rightful claim on their time, the way that they worshiped. He commanded them to work six days of the week and to rest on one. He commanded them to celebrate different feasts throughout the rest of the year to remind them constantly that God was their rescuer, that God was in charge of everything that they said and everything that they did. God had a rightful claim on their time. When I read this, I can't help but ask myself those questions. Have I allowed God to have a rightful claim on my relationships, on what I do with the t- my time, on my occupation? Is God in charge of the way that I live my life. That's just an aside there. But I want to move on uh, because we're running out of time. Um, I've only got 65 minutes left. (laughs) So it says in verse 24 that they uh, brought their sacrifice, which is a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, the actual rule was that they were expected to bring a lamb. But God made provision for people who weren't wealthy enough to own a lamb that they could bring a couple small birds instead. And if you weren't wealthy enough to own a couple small birds, if you were in abject poverty, you could borrow a cup of flour from your neighbor and bring a cup of flour as your offering instead. What this tells us about Jesus' family is that they're certainly not wealthy, but they're also not in abject poverty because they were able to afford the two birds. Now, as we go on, we, we learn that uh, this Simeon comes to them and, and sees the child and begins to prophesy and, and point things out about him that, that he's a pretty big deal and he's pretty amazing. It's similar to the stuff that they probably would have thought about him already if he is a miracle baby virgin born. If, if angels had appeared to them and, and spoken of his birth already, they've probably already got it in their mind that there's something special about him. But in verse 33, it says this, and this puzzled me. It says his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. They were amazed about it. Almost as though they couldn't believe what Simeon was saying, about the baby Jesus. This is crazy to me because for the past 10 months, their lives have been upended by the fact that there's a special miracle child that has entered their lives. The virgin birth, the angels appearing, the the shepherds coming because a star appeared over them. All these things pointing to the fact that there's something special about this child and yet 40 days after he's born, it seems to me that maybe they've forgotten about that somehow which is kind of crazy, unless you've recently had a child. Those first 40 days of a newborn, I heard someone refer to the first few months as the hundred days of darkness. It's like all of your survival skills that, that you've developed over time that, that are just kind of innate and, and muscle memory for you now that, that, that help you get by in life. When you have a baby come into your house, all of that stuff that, that you have within you is now focused on that child who cannot do anything for themselves anymore. So all of your own survival skills go out the window. You just stop showering. You stop eating. I can count on one hand the amount of times I have lost my keys I just don't do it. I'm not trying to brag, but I just don't do that, right? I always know where my keys are. Well, after I had a baby and I was working here at the church, uh, Pastor Jeff had to uh, make me a hide-a-key for my office because of how many times I locked my keys in my office. There's just something that happens to your, your brain and to your body when you're in the midst of that hundred days of darkness, and they're right in the middle of it. So it's, it's not that surprising to me that they would find it really easy to forget what it's like. Someone asked me recently, what's it like to have a baby? And I said, well, imagine that you have planned a perfect vacation. You've been planning it for months, and you're really looking forward to it, and you've picked out every restaurant that you're gonna eat at, you know exactly where you're gonna stay, you've got an itinerary. We're waking up at nine, we're gonna drink some coffee, we're gonna go visit this site, we're gonna have lunch here at this restaurant, I'm eating that sandwich because I've researched it, and that's got the greatest reviews, and you're completely packed. The night before you travel, you're packed, so all you gotta get ready to do on the day that you leave to travel is just wake up and go to the airport. Now imagine that you wake up and you take your pre-packed bags with you, and on the way to the airport, an asteroid crashes into the earth and destroys it. That's what it's like to have a baby. So this is the this is the state that they're in that that their whole life has been uh, turned around. Now now it's it's not even it's not even the same for us today. Not not to mention the, the trauma of the actual childbirth itself which is hard on a uh, difficult and, and grueling on a woman's body with modern medicine. It's terrible. Nobody talks about how grueling it is on the fathers <laughs> especially when the nurse says, "Dad, come and look, the head's out." Trauma, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. They don't tell you that there's like this second birth that takes place with a tug of war, with a, with a doctor. This is with doctors and nurses with modern medicine. Mary had Farmer Bill who's like, I gave birth to a calf last week. I think I can get my hands in there and do something good. The trauma that they would have gone through, and here they are 40 days later, still recovering from that experience. Probably No wonder to me they're still amazed. God reminds them. Don't forget that, that where you are, where I've brought you to, it, it's been really dark for 40 days. It, it's been really hard and, and, and there's been some trauma and it's been weird and, and you don't know whether you're coming or going. But don't forget where I've brought you to right now is where I've had in mind for you to be all along, here's another little reminder of that. I'm still, I'm still with you in the middle of this. You may have forgotten that I'm still there. You may have forgotten that this was part of my plan this whole time, but, but let me remind you, God says to them, I'm still there. Maybe they marveled, not because they'd forgotten what God had said he was going to do through their son. But maybe they marveled because they just couldn't believe that God was still going to be that good to them. They just couldn't believe that, that God was continuing to bless them and do something wonderful for them. I know someone who is that way, that, that every time something good goes well for him, and this happens often to him, he's always like, I just can't believe it. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't deserve it. We, we, we sometimes forget how good God is to us. In those moments. So maybe that's why they marvel. They just can't believe, wow, God, you're really going to, you really are going to do this for us again? Now, when this prophetess Anna sees what Simeon had said to them, and she goes out and she starts telling people, uh, verse 38 says, she went to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem now what she's probably talking about is what they would have understood to be the redemption of Jerusalem that that I, she's probably saying something like this i have seen the king that god has sent to restore our kingdom on this earth. I have seen the son of David, the one, that, the one that God will use to maybe kick the Romans out of our nation, the one that God will use to expand our borders again, the one that God will use to restore the promise of the kingdom of Israel again. That's probably what she's talking about. And God had promised those things to the nation of Israel. But Jesus revealed later on in his life to his disciples that his kingdom, in fact, was not of this world. And so while they were expecting him to maybe kick the Romans out of the land of Israel, to maybe expand their borders again, to maybe be a a conquering king while he was on this earth, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. That's not what I've come here to do. I've come to conquer a kingdom that is not seen by our eyes. I've come to to perform a rescue that is greater than picking up a baby from the dog bowl. It is a rescue within our hearts. It's it's to, in fact, change that thing within us that causes us to need to be purified. It's a, a complete renewal of our spirits to make us new and to make us just like him. This is what Jesus came for. So I couldn't help but wonder at the times where I've been disappointed in him. Lord, I thought you were coming through. I forg- Lord, I thought you had promised this to me that maybe I was focusing on a promise that he hadn't given to me. Because the promise that he's given to all of us is that we will have salvation and life in his son, Jesus Christ, if we simply believe. Now, God will promise different things to individuals. I believe that 100%. I believe that that is true. But I believe that the only promise that exists for all of us is that we have salvation and a full wide open relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If anything else supplants that as the most important thing to us, we will find ourselves dejected and disappointed and wanting to fall away and turn away from him, forgetting that he's brought us to where. We are Jesus and His salvation for us has to be the most important thing when that's the main thing, uh, let's get this down for this year. Let that be the main thing, the most important thing to us that Jesus can renew and restore my soul. Let that be the number one thing. Why well, I, I want to finish up with with this idea. It says in verse. 40, that the child grew, Jesus grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We don't get much about Jesus's childhood at all. In fact, the only thing we really get is in this next passage here. And this little bit that, that they kind of sum up his childhood in this way, that he grew filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. Now, the temptation for me as a person who really likes lists who likes practical things, um, who likes to uh, know what to do next, is to say this, that we can look at this story and at the beginning of a new year, it's probably not coincidental that we've landed on this passage where we're learning about Jesus who'd been dedicated to the Lord and who throughout life began to grow. And it's really tempting for me to make this a message about, well, we need to just dedicate ourselves to the Lord again. If we've, if we've drifted away from him in some ways, just, just find a way to renew that commitment. And, and all of us would agree that there are ways in our lives that we need to grow and that we need to change and that we need to, to better in our personal life and in our relationships. All of us would agree that those are things that we need. And it's really tempting for me to, to hammer that home. And I think those are good things. I, I've got areas in which I want to grow this year. I, I found myself this week praying, Lord, I, I feel like there are ways in which I need to rededicate myself to you. I think these are all good things. But, but if that's where we stop, we will surely fail. And I can promise you this, that you're going to fail on some of the things that you are going to accomplish, try to accomplish this year you're gonna fall flat on your face when you when you when you woke up this morning and said new year new me but guess what you're the exact same person that you were yesterday too. Like nothing, nothing changed. There will be moments that we stumble, but if we look at it differently, if we take a step back and and say, maybe this isn't so much a story about how I should be dedicating myself to the Lord and, and how I should be focusing on growing. Maybe this is a story about how the one who was dedicated to the Lord and grew in the favor of God into a perfect man for me, who gave his life for me, if I focus on that fact, that Jesus was dedicated to the Lord for me, that he grew in wisdom and knowledge and favor for me so that he might save me, then the work comes off of my shoulders and rolls back onto his so that now when I do trip and fail and fall on my face, I don't have to lay there can get up and remember that this one who, who came into this world to make all things new, to, to restore people's souls, to renew our relationship with God, to, to give us a wide open door into God's presence, the one that who came to do that, who was dedicated to him from a child, this one has given his perfect life for me. See, this is why Jesus was born of a virgin is because while every other child who's born into the world is born with a sin nature and needs that rescuing from sin, Jesus's lineage comes from God himself. This is why we call him the son of God. He, he was conceived in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have the sin nature that we have. So in his perfection, when he offered himself for our sake, it covers everything we could do, everything we've ever done, and everything we're going to do because his perfection covers it all. If I focus on that, that Jesus is the dedicated one, Jesus is the one that grew in the wisdom and the favor and the knowledge of God so that he might give his life perfectly for me. I'll put him first. I will follow him. Who doesn't want to love a savior like that? Who who, who doesn't want to dedicate themselves to one like that? Would you pray with me? Lord, we're so thankful that you have given your life for us, that you've made a way for us to come into your presence. You made a way for us to have a relationship with you. You have made a way for us to know you. You made a way for us to become new. I pray, Lord, that as we're full of, of hope for a new year, we're full of hope, um, exciting thoughts for a new year. Some of us are full of dread for this new year. Some of us aren't looking forward to the things that are to come. Lord, I pray that with all that is before us, no matter what it is, whether it is good, whether it is bad, whether it is easy or hard, that we would consistently come back to you. You're the one we need. You're the rescue that we need. You're the one who has taken care of all of our shortcomings. You're the safest place for us to trip and fall into when that inevitably happens. Lord, let us let us let us make that commitment to you now that that you're the one we need. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.